It's in all of our songs. It can build a bridge. Some people ask what it has to do with it, while others say it's all we need. Some say there's a whole lot of it, while others ask, where is it? People jump for it, fall in it, lose it, and feel it. More songs and poems and letters have been inspired by it than any other source of inspiration. It literally makes the world go round. It's love. We have, we have over the last couple of months been all about love. You see it up here, love is. We've been uh, walking through the, the, uh, what's been called the, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 uh, in, in the Bible, uh, looking at what God's kind of love looks like. Uh, you hear it in weddings, maybe you had it in your wedding, or maybe you have it framed up on your wall, uh, and, and that's great. Uh, we're going to read just a, a few verses right, right from the middle of that uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then the last verse of that chapter, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's the greatest thing, this says. It it sounds wonderful, but as we've been finding out, it may be maybe a little bit more involved than just a a warm, fuzzy feeling uh, that we get. Uh, it really is the basis of everything. Over the years, um, I've compiled lists of things and, and uh, kind of put together a list of, of uh, kids' responses when they were asked about issues about love. And I want to read a few of them for you this morning. Um, Jan, age nine, said, No one is sure why love happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular, she said. Um, an eight-year-old boy says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but the rest of it isn't so, supposed to be so painful. Here's another one. If you want to be loved by somebody who isn't already in your family, it doesn't hurt to be beautiful. <laughs> Gary, age seven, says, it isn't always just how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything, and I haven't gotten anybody to marry me yet. I could relate to him for a long time. Ava, age eight, said, one of you should know how to write a check, because if if you have tons of love, there's still going to be a lot of bills. When asked what people are thinking when they say, I love you, Michelle, age nine, answered, the person is thinking, yeah, I really do love him, but I hope he showers at least once a day. Uh, Roger, age eight, says, don't forget your wife's name, that will mess up the love. Some of you need to be writing notes. I don't know. Um, Randy says, be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. <laughs> she won't forget, Randy. It won't. It doesn't help. No. Uh, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Uh, Claire H6 says, my mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep at night. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. Uh, Eight-year-old Jessica says, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. 
And Jenny says there are two kinds of love, our love and God's love. But God makes both kinds of them. The secret, as we've been discovering, is to allow God's love to transform our love. And, and, and really, there are, there are more, than, uh, more than two kinds of love, um, at least if you know Greek. And so if you're like me, you don't, but you, you, there's books you can read, you know, and they can fill you in. Uh, the, 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 the Bible was written, the New Testament was written in Greek, and, uh, and there's actually four different kinds of love that, uh, that, that are used throughout the Bible and in the Greek language uh, that, that help them kind of differentiate between all the different kinds of, of loving that we do. Uh, so there's an eros is, uh, is one Greek word, and that's romantic love, or uh, that's where we get our word erotic, uh, so eros love. The storge is family love, uh, love between, uh, in relationships and family. Phileo is, uh, is brotherly love. You've probably heard of the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia comes from phileo, and uh, so those are, those are all human kinds of love. Uh, they have their place, but they're, they're still all based kind of pretty much in what I can get for myself to make sure that I'm getting good things for me. Um, I'm getting what I want in the relationship. Uh, so they, they're still based a little bit in selfishness. But then there's the fourth kind of love, which is, which is God's kind of love, and that is agape. And maybe it's not agape. That this is agape. It's different. Agape is God's kind of love that... Um, uh, that is, and that's the word that is used all the way through 1 Corinthians 13. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter uh, to this church in Corinth, he's writing this letter and he says, uh, this is God's kind of love. And, and he's saying that, uh, that, that, that it should be our kind of love as well. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be loving like this too. It's selfless. It's unconditional. Uh, it's... it's well, it's really not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's, it's not exactly easy. It's, it's more than just that warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, as we've seen, uh, and, and uh, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed if you haven't been, uh, been here for all of these, but uh, uh, love means being patient even when we don't want to be, and it means showing kindness even when we'd rather not. Uh, love means not being self-centered. It means honoring other people, not getting ticked off at the drop of a hat. Love means uh, forgiveness. It's a bit, that's a big part of agape love, uh, even when we'd rather hold a grudge. And it matters what we love. Uh, we should be delighting in good and true things, not in sinful things. We should be showing this love to everyone, not just the people that we want to love, or just the cool people, or just the people who like us. We need to love our enemies. We need to love the people who are hard to love. So, hopefully you're catching on that this whole uh, love thing is actually kind of difficult, and it might even seem impossible. And so on this Easter Sunday, I I think we need to zero in on where all this love comes from and and how it is even possible. And so I want to look at another passage in Scripture that's all about love, all about this agape love that that, that Paul talks about. It's it's in the book of 1 John chapter 4. Um, So John wrote the Gospel of John, which is in the New Testament, the story of Jesus' life, but then he, at, right almost at the very end of the New Testament, there's these short little letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, same guy wrote them, uh, but uh, and, and this, uh, in, in 1 John chapter 4, it's all about love. Uh, and actually, he uses that word agape love 27 times in the 15 verses that we're going to read together. If, if you want to, man, tick them off, count them, check, check my numbers. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Who, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. The first thing I think we find in this passage is that God is love. It's mentioned uh, uh, twice there uh, in, the, in the passage. Uh, John is proclaiming that God is love. Love is an essential part of God's DNA. Uh, love is not something that God does. Love is who God is. He does nothing without being motivated by love. All love starts with God because God is love. It makes a big difference If your God is love, or if he is not. A God who is love has your best interest at heart. A God who is love can be trusted and won't let you down. A God who is love loves you just the way you are and and knows you just the way you are and loves you anyway. Uh, God is love, and so he loves you. There is nothing you can do to earn God's love. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. He is love, so therefore he loves you. He can't help it. He loves you. Brennan Manning, author, speaker, uh, drew attention to, uh, to something. John, uh, the guy who wrote this passage and also wrote the Gospel of John, if you've, uh, there's a little thing in there many times throughout the Gospel of John, uh, it refers to uh, the, the disciple Jesus loved, the one Jesus loved. And then we find out toward the end that he's referring to himself when he said, a little egotistical maybe, right? No, well, it, it, uh, but he's saying the, the one Jesus, and he referred to that over and over again. And, and so Brennan Manning uh, makes this comment. He says, if John were asked, what is your primary identity in life? He would not reply, I'm a disciple. I'm an apostle. I'm an evangelist. I, I'm an author of one of the four gospels. But rather, I am the one Jesus loves. How would it change your life if your primary identity was not defined by what you do or what you like or who you're related to, but your first and foremost, your identity is, I am the one Jesus loves. Because it's true for every single one, not just for John, for all of us. (laughs) Smile, God loves you. 
No, really, smile. Do it. Yes, it's good for you. Smile. I, can see, I can't see you, you know. You, you were, okay, good. Smile. God loves you. God is love. We've got to get that. That's a, the, the foundational piece, really, of the entire Bible, certainly of this passage. God is love. And we know that primarily because of Jesus. Jesus is proof that God is love. Because God is love, he sent Jesus. Why? Because we needed him. Have you ever done anything you're not proud of? Come on, raise them high. No, you don't have to raise them high. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, you are a sinner. No, don't do that. Um, although it's true. Because uh, we, we, we have all done something wrong, right? We've, uh, many things. We've, we've all, the Bible calls that sin. And, and, and he, it says that every one of us is guilty. That we've all done it. We have, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in Romans that says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's best for us. We've let God down. We haven't lived up to his standards. We owe God. And because, because the Bible says that, that that penalty is pretty steep. Because of sin, there's a penalty to be paid, and that penalty is pretty steep, so we owe God. Because we've sinned, we deserve, the Bible says, we deserve death. And, and it wouldn't be a surprise to me, probably not a shock to any of us, that, that if, if God went ahead and wanted to collect on that debt, right? I, I mean, if someone owed me a lot... I would demand payment. I would, uh, I would want them to, to pay what they owed. But we'd at least need to set up a payment plan, right? The surprise comes when we read verses like Psalm 103, verse 10, that says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Why not? Well, Romans, uh, Romans 5, 8 says that it's because of who God is. God is love. Remember, we just talked about that a minute ago. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he decided not to treat us as our sins deserve, but Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, in the middle of us owing God our very lives, God didn't treat us like we deserve to be treated, but he, instead he sent his son Jesus to demonstrate his love. In that passage in, in 1 John 4, um, John uses a phrase in verse 10 that, that Jesus' death and resurrection is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If you're reading a, one of the old-timey uh, translations, uh, it, it uses the word propitiation. Now that is an awesome Easter Sunday morning word. And you have to spit whenever you say it. It's just It's why nobody sits on these front seats. It's the splash zone. And we need to... But propitiation uh, is the word that... Uh, and you're going, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, well, a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice just means uh, that, that, that it means to appease or to satisfy. So in a, in a demonstration of, of divine, perfect, agape love, God sent Jesus to satisfy the requirements of the penalty for your sin. That's how he has proved his love for you. Jesus is the proof that God is love. Just to, just to illustrate that a, uh, uh, a little more, let's say, let's say uh, next week, you're, you're out driving and you don't realize it, but you're in a school zone and you're going 45 and there just happens to be a police officer right there and you get pulled over and you get a ticket for going 45 in a school zone. Not exactly a, a, a little offense. 
But, but let's just say that around the same time uh, next week that, that I also did the exact same thing. And, and it just so happens that we have the same court date. And so we show up in court and, uh, and you go first because I'm a great pastor and I so I'll let you go first. And you're judged guilty, right? Because you did it and there's no getting out of it. And uh, the penalty's pretty steep. I looked it up this week. The penalty is pretty steep. It's a, it's a $250 fine and up to 30 days in jail. And you get the whole thing, man, because you're guilty. So the judge pronounces the sentence, but let's say that uh, right as they start to cuff you and take you off, I stand up and I tell the judge that I'll pay your fine and I will do your time. That's, again, what any good pastor would do, right? That's what we... Don't try it, but... um, So let's say that I stand up and I say, well, I'll, I'll pay the penalty and, 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 and I'll do that for you. And, and the judge would say, no, you can't. You can't do that. You owe your own fine and you need to do your own time. By the way, you're guilty too. <laughs> I can't pay your penalty and mine. We would both need someone who is not guilty to step in. And that's why none of us could ever be the propitiation for ourselves or for anyone else. We could never be the atoning sacrifice to satisfy our own debt of sin. The penalty for sin is death, and I can't die your death because I owe my own life for my own sins. The the same is true for every single person that's ever been born. But because God is love, he sent Jesus, his perfect son, who had no sin, in order to satisfy that penalty for our sin, for your sin, for my sin, for everyone's sin. It's a gift of love. We don't need any other proof than that. God must be love. There are a lot of things that we could point to as proof of God's love for us, but the best and the most convincing thing is this. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And Jesus, God is love and Jesus is the proof. That is Easter in a nutshell. But we're not done yet. Because of all that love (laughs) demonstrated through Jesus, if we choose to accept that sacrifice that Jesus has has given and we choose to to accept that for our sin, then, then we start following him and we start representing Jesus in the world where we live. And that's where 1 Corinthians 13 comes into play, that, that, that we are the examples of God's love for us. God is love, Jesus is proof, and we are the example to the world. We are the living examples that God loves. <laughs> Every day uh, when, when, when we live uh, around people who don't yet know God, they experience him through us. Verse 12 in, in 1 John 4 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. People see God and his love when he lives in us and through us. That's how God's love is, it says, made complete. It's kind of mind-blowing. God needs you and I to complete his love. It's not complete until we live it out. (laughs) Uh, when, When you love like God's love, when you demonstrate 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love uh, through your life, you are completing what God started. God is love. He loves you because he loves you. Love. Or maybe we could think of it this way. Loved people, love people. 
If you are love, if you accept, have accepted the love of God into your life, then it's going to be a natural outflowing of love that you will show to other people. And it will look like what we've described in 1 Corinthians 13, patience and kindness and, and all the rest. And, and believe it or not, one reason that we do this is that God doesn't just love you. I know it would be great if it was, but uh, God doesn't just love you. He loves everyone. G.K. Chesterton, a, 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 a guy from a long time ago, he wrote, wrote these words. All people matter. You matter. I matter. It's the hardest thing in theology to believe, he says. John says here over and over and over and over again that since God loves us, since God loves you, and that's, that's completely true, God loves you, uh, so because he does, you get to show his love to the people around you. And, and actually, he says it'll happen by default. You will love one another when you love God and accept his love into your life. If you're not showing love to others, it's because you don't really know God, he says. Because if you really love God, if you know God, then you'll love the people around you. He keeps on using uh, a phrase that he uses uh, throughout this, this letter, and he keeps on using this word abide or live in. God's love uh, lives in us, and he, uh, we're in him, and he's in us, and, and it's this connection and kind of this, this uh, interweaving of ourselves with God. Uh, he, he's not simply content to tell us that, that he loves us or even to show us that he loves us, but he wants us to live, he wants to live in us. And it says that, so his Holy Spirit actually lives within us and, and guides us to be people of love. I've said over and over again over the last uh, uh, six weeks that, uh, that, that you can't do this kind of loving on your own, that this is supernatural uh, kind of love. It's God's kind of love, and we can only do it as God lives in us and loves through us. If you, if you realize that God is love and that he sent Jesus for us, and you accept his atoning sacrifice for your sin, then you live in God and he lives in you and you're connected and the natural outgrowth of all that is that you will love the people around you, showing God's love wherever you go. The guy, uh, man, a couple thousand, 1900 years ago, I guess, St. Jerome wrote about John, um, the same John who wrote this passage that we're, that we're looking at today. So, so John was a, uh, was a disciple of Jesus. You know, there were 12 disciples, uh, and there were three that were kind of in the inner circle that kind of went off when Jesus would go off by, uh, by himself. or with a, He'd take Peter, James, and John. That's this John that, that wrote this. Uh, so he's, he's really close to Jesus. We said he, he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. I mean, they, they, were, they were tight. They were close. John was the only one of those uh, 12 that didn't get... Uh, uh, killed uh, and uh, martyred for their faith. Well, Judas killed himself. The rest of them were martyred because of their faith in, uh, in God uh, and, and, and belief in Jesus. But John uh, kept on, and, and he lived to be an old man. He actually wrote the book of Revelation, which you know, we're not going to get into today. That's some wild stuff. But, uh, uh, but, but, but uh, he, he had this vision, and, and old, old man. So, so when he's writing this, he's still pretty old. Jerome, uh, St. Jerome wrote down a lot of stuff about that time frame in, uh, in history, and, and he told about John while he was, he was hanging out and living with and kind of pastoring the church in Ephesus. That's a, a, a city back in the day over there. And, and John's an old man. He's not getting around very well, but, but he's still trying to teach and do all that he can, and, and um, uh, it's, it's years and years after Jesus was raised from the dead, but uh, John had, a, had quite a following and his friends and, and followers would kind of help him along and, and uh, take him in and, and get with these gathering of, of believers and non-believers and he'd just kind of sit in the middle there and, and, uh, and, and teach them. 
But it got to the point that, you know, John was kind of failing and, and up in years, and, and, and his sermons kept getting shorter and shorter, which you'd think they'd just be excited about, right? But um, uh, don't worry, I am not up in years, so uh, we are pushing through. Um, his sermons would get shorter and shorter, and he started just repeating some of the same things over and over and over again. And, and uh, you get the impression, um, and maybe I'm reading a little bit into it, but as St. Jerome tells the story, you, you kind of get the impression that his followers and friends were, were a little bit concerned about uh, what, what was going on. But, but John used to, uh, used to it, it came down to, he would just kind of say the same phrase. And he would, he would say in Greek, agapomen alalus, agapomen alalus. And he would just repeat that. And um, it means... Let's all agape each other. Let's all love each other. Love each other. Love each other. My next point is this, love each other. Point number three, hey, you should really love each other. Point number 17, you should really love each other. It's, that's, that's how his sermons were going. <laughs> and uh, his, his, his friends kind of uh, pulled him aside one day and, uh, and, and said, yeah, we've heard this, we've, we got it. Um, John, why do you keep repeating this same thing? over and over again, and, and Jerome says that he re- replied to those folks, because it is the Lord's command, and if that alone is done, it is enough. Love each other, love each other, and after you're done with that, love each other, because love is patient and love is kind <laughs> and doesn't envy and it doesn't boast, and it is proud, it isn't self-seeking, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If you got three things left, faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest thing. If you're loving each other, it's enough. Love each other. Around here, we kind of say it this way, we live to love people to life. We talk about this abundant life that we can have in, in Jesus and following him and And the way that we can help other people do that is to love them and let God love them through us. And we live in order to love people to life. It's it's uh, it's it's our calling. Uh, I hope it's your calling. It's your it's your ministry. It's your purpose. No no matter what your vocation in life, no matter what your station in life, you are loved. So love. When when you do that, you'll help people to see that life for them is possible with God too because of Jesus. That is the simple complex, easy, difficult, amazing, mind-blowing Easter message. God is love. Jesus is the proof. And you are the example. So what do we do with a message like this? Well, first of all, we have to believe it for ourselves. It's not just attending a service uh, on a special day, uh, but it's, it's about believing it for ourselves. Do I really believe that God is love? And if I do, do I believe that God loves me? Do I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he gave his life for me, that I can have forgiveness and, and healing and restoration and redemption, that, that, I can, that I can have the hope of eternity in heaven because of what Jesus has done for me. Do I believe that God is love and do I believe that Jesus is a proof? Do I, do I confess that I'm sinful and, and that Jesus has paid for that sin? And then are you loving the people around you? Or are there some things you, you need to, uh, to, to, to work on there? Allow his spirit to love through you. God is love. Jesus is the proof. You are the example. Father God, thank you for your love. Sorry for our sin. Thank you for Jesus. 
we want to follow him. Forgive us. Set us on the right path, the path of love, the, the, the path that shows your love everywhere we go. Lord, I pray that, that, that as we lift the, that prayer to you, that you would do your supernatural transforming work in our hearts. That we can go from here with the amazing assurance that, that we are, as we sang about earlier, we are children of God. You have called us your children, your sons and daughters. And so we celebrate you and we thank you for your love for us. The mind-blowing, amazing, agape love of God. I pray that as we live our lives this week, even today, that you would help us to love well, to allow you to love through us. Lord, we thank you that you are love, that you've shown that love through Jesus. Enable us to live well, the example of what it means to love. In Jesus' name, 